Welcome to Expositional Excerpts. I'm your host, Matthew Pilch. I pastor Grace Fellowship Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Let's dive into the Word. In today's episode, we will begin our discussion of the last several verses in 2 Peter. 2 Peter 3, verses 14 to 18. And really, we've seen that this entire work has been a treatise, a discussion on the authority and the confidence that we can have in the Word of God, the authority that the Word of God has, the assurance that we have in the Word of God, and the reason that we need to have it because of false teachers who come along and naysay and twist it and pervert it and challenge it and say all kinds of things against it. Do you believe God's Word? And even when they come and attack the very things that God has said will happen in this world, he created the world, he is omnipresent, and a, and a part of his omnipresence means that he is everywhere in time, which means he's seen the beginning from the end. He knows exactly how it's going to play out, and he's given us really a roadmap. Uh, other people may mock it, and they want to do that because to acknowledge that the world is coming to the end that God says it does in the preceding verses here in chapter 3 is to acknowledge that we are accountable to God and we must give an answer to him. I mean, that's the short of it. The world around us mocks this and you know wants us to do the whole chicken little sky is falling thing with global warming and those type of things. Well, we're not going to destroy this earth on our own. God has reserved a day of judgment for this world, and he will bring it about. And there's nothing that man can do to stop that. No amount of emissions control and, uh, you know, we could mine all the cobalt out of all the mines of the world using illicit labor and those type of things, all in the name of green energy, and uh, it's not going to stop God's final day of judgment. So what do we do while we wait? Well, we adhere to the weight of God or the word of God, right? We adhere to that. We hold to it. We cling to it. We encourage others by it. Uh, we do all these things. And so really, because that has been the subject of this entire letter, this last section here addresses believers, Christians, as they dutifully wait. And so what we could say then as we begin this discussion of verses 14 to 18 is that we must fulfill our duties while we wait for the Lord. We know that we have to wait for these things. What do we do while we wait? Do we just sit around and twiddle our thumbs? Do we ignore God's word? Or are there expectations for Christians while we wait on this side of heaven waiting for Christ's return? Well, we must fulfill our duties while we wait for the Lord. That implies that there are duties to be fulfilled. And what are those duties? Well, let's start here in verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. In verse 14, we see that our waiting must bear certain characteristics. Number one, we must wait with confidence. There is confidence since or seeing that these things are that we are waiting for these things. What are we talking about? Well, the immediately preceding thing is not the judgment of the earth, right? But look back at verse 13. But according to his promise, we are waiting for 
new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Since we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth, and we are waiting, and waiting carries with it expectation, it's not a question of if, but when, when is all this going to happen, then we must wait with confidence. We have confidence that they will happen. I have every bit of confidence that one day there will be a new heavens. One day there will be a new earth. I have 100% confidence in that. There's no doubt at all. I don't change that rating, and that doesn't change based on how I feel in a particular day and what I think about God. God has said that this is true, and I, by God's grace, believe his word, and he has given me the faith to believe that, and he's opened my eyes to see that, and by his spirit has convicted me of the truth of the word of God. So first, our waiting must be with confidence, right? Our waiting must bear certain characteristics. The first characteristic is confidence. And then the second characteristic of waiting would be that we need to wait with holiness. This is the second part of verse 14. Since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. So we must wait with holiness, and we see this, that there is a, uh, a, an imperative here, which is a command. We've talked about imperatives many times. So imperative means that a command is given. The command is not to be found. That's passive. The command is to be diligent. Be diligent to be found. So our job with regard to waiting and waiting with the certain characteristics that are required of us, in this case, holiness, is diligence. Diligence in the area of holiness. And then later on, we'll see in just a moment of peace. So how do we get to holiness here? Well, it's found in this idea of being found by him without spot or blemish. We do our part. We have to be diligent to add to our faith uh, all the things that he talked about in chapter one and in other places of scripture. That is on us, and we can only do those things by the power of God, and they only happen to the believer after God has saved us, right? doesn't happen to the unbeliever. They can't put on holiness and uh, you know all, all of those things on their own. That has to be the initial work is, is Christ's work and, and his work alone. And even the strength to do those things and to walk in the way that is pleasing to him is found in him. He's the one who supplies the strength. But now we have to be diligent. And, and really, before we even get to the spot or blemish here, it's interesting to notice this passive verb that is included. We're supposed to be diligent to be found by him. In other words, this also looks to the idea of his return. He's coming and he's going to find us. And when he finds us, in what state is he going to find us? It's not like we're lost and he's searching, but when he finds us, when I walk into one of my children's room and I find that their room is messy or, or whatever, <laughs> just using an illustration that pops into my head right now. But the point is, is I wasn't looking for that. That is the way I discovered it. That was the state in which I discovered that as I walked in. So how is the Savior going to discover you and me? Hopefully, he's going to find us in a state of being unblemished, without spot, without blemish. And another way to say that is that he would find us holy. 
And I think that's really what that means. Go back to verse 11. What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? In his first letter, Peter said this in 1 Peter 1, verse 16, Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And of course, that's not new with Peter. It could have been, you know, because this is spirit-inspired. But it also comes from the Old Testament, where we see that as a quotation uh, from Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44. So the command is to be holy. This is a theme in his letters. Regardless of what the world looks like around us, regardless of what false teachers are doing, one of the things that we must do as believers, as Christians, is to live holy lives. And not just to live holy lives, but to be patient in our waiting for his second appearing in lives of holiness. So that's the first part, right? No spot, no blemish. Call sin, sin. Call what God calls sin, sin. Call good what God calls good. Rejoice in the things that God rejoices in. Weep in the things that God weeps over. You know, when we see people falling into sin and we see marriages ruined and we see families ruined and we see relationships upended, those things should break our hearts. When people uh, mutilate themselves and, and begin to say things that are not true, that fly in the face of creation and God's word itself, and we begin to call evil good, good evil, and those types of things, when that is happening in the culture around us, lives are being destroyed, right? And so... To live a life of holiness means that we stay on the straight path. And it doesn't just mean, do I cling to Christ for salvation? Yes. But while we're walking this pilgrim journey, while we are treading this path that God has put us on, he has lifted us out of the miry clay, set our feet upon a rock. He has put us in the right direction. He has guided us there while we're doing that. And the word of God is our charter. It's our compass then we have to make sure that all along the way, we are saying what is true about God. We are saying what is true about the world. We are saying what is true about Satan. We are saying what is true about false teachers. And all of these things, the truth is found in the word of God. So if you want to be found living a godly life and waiting with holiness then the thing that you must do is cling to the word of God in everything that it says not just in your personal conduct, but how you view the world around you, how you talk to other believers, how you interact with people at church, and so forth. And I hope that makes sense, because that's what we want. We do want to live holy lives, and God wants us to live holy lives as well. That's how we do it. Not only should we be waiting with holiness, but the third characteristic of our waiting is that of peace. And that, of course, is at the very last of the verse here. Be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish. There's our holiness and at peace. And when we think about peace, very interesting. God in his providence never makes any mistakes. You know, I've, I've prepared these notes some time ago, but even today in my own Bible study, I was looking before I pulled this up to record, I was looking at the concept of peace and what it means to live in peace. And the opposite of that, right, is to not worry, to not be anxious, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you, right? Uh, 
also we just quoted per, part of Philippians 4, uh, 6 there, all of verse 6, right? Uh, Let your request be made known to God. And what is his promise and the peace of God, verse 7, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The thing that is natural to all of the world is to worry, right? Jesus addresses a whole section of his sermon on the mount in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 to worry. Uh, Chapter 6 is largely about the concept of worry and anxiety, or at least a big section of that chapter is. And we find there that people worry about the things that they're going to wear, clothing, which is why he gives us the illustration of the lilies in the field. People worry about what they're going to eat, and yet God feeds the sparrows, right? And so people care about those things. What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? Where am I going to lay my head? And he says this, your father in heaven, your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things, but rather what is the, what is the thing that we are supposed to do as Christians? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. We know that God will take care of our needs. We know that he hears the cry of his children whom he has adopted into his spiritual family because of Christ's righteousness. It doesn't mean that we are guaranteed a life free from suffering. It doesn't mean that we are guaranteed uh, health in, in this life. There are many Christians who experience uh, the torments of cancer and sickness and get in uh, car accidents and those things. It doesn't mean that we will never experience poverty in our life. I mean, the same people who like to quote that and say, uh, right, that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. That is true. And especially as a general principle, but there are some people that have nothing and barely get by. And of course, Jesus also said that the Son of Man had nowhere to lay his head. The foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to even lay his head. He did not have a home that he called a permanent structure or dwelling place here on earth. And we have to remember that. There is a sense of of poverty there and it can happen. I'm not saying that it will. I'm not saying that we should seek after those things, but we must not even let those circumstances turn us from Christ. And the whole point is, is that we need to be at peace. Though all the world around me is, you know, upended in violence and chaos, we should have a confidence in the word of God that brings a peace with it. And so it's very interesting that one of the things that Peter commands under inspiration and direction of the Holy Spirit is that we are diligent in our waiting to be found at peace among other characteristics of our waiting. Are you at peace or are you just going around worried and fretting that, that somehow this is not going to work out and you're, you're dreading this and the things that are coming upon you? Listen, the as I sit and record this, there are a lot of things going wrong with the world. <laughs> and we could get all worked up, but as believers, as Christians, we shouldn't be doing that, right? We, we can do certain things along the way, and we can make 
you know, diligent preparation, right? The wise man sees the day of adversity coming and prepares, but the fool just marches on blindly. There's a lot of wisdom in God's word about such times as these. Are days of adversity coming to this country? Quite possibly. I mean, the way things are going right now, it, yeah, it, it sure seems like that. There's a lot of saber rattling. Is there going to be war soon? I have no idea. I hope not. I don't pray for that. I don't want to see that. But again, that should not cause anxiety in the life of the Christian. We should be at peace because we know that none of these things are going to throw God off from his plan. None of these things are going to stop the inevitable day of the Lord, the day of God. And the thing that comes after that, that we read about in verse 13, none of these things can stop the new heavens and the new earth where we will be, where we will be with Christ. So as we seek to fulfill our duties while we wait for the Lord, remember the first of these is that we realize and see that our waiting must bear certain characteristics. Those characteristics are that we wait with confidence in the word of God, we wait with holiness, and we wait in peace. Can you do that? Well, it's a reminder to me that I need to be doing the same thing. Hopefully we can encourage each other with these words. Be at peace. Trust in the promises of God. This has been another podcast of Expositional Excerpts with Pastor Matthew Pilch. If you'd like more information, please visit our church website at gfbc.net.